Hello and welcome to today's PropCast. I'm Andrew Teacher, I'm the founder of Blackstock Consulting and we're here talking about design and operations in the built-to-rent sector, multifamily, private rented sector, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are uh, obviously numbers, huge quantities of, of, of purpose-designed apartments going up across the country and, and we're going to be talking about whether it makes any difference uh, if these are designed specifically for renting or, or whether this is just some sort of ruse from architects to get a bit more money out of the uh, the institutional investors. Um, to answer that question, we'll be speaking to Russell Pedley, who's the co-founder at Asale Architecture. Uh, we'll be speaking to Marianne Bowring, who's co-founder and MD at Ringley Group, and Jamie Snary, who's Director of Asset Management at Apache Capital Partners. Um, Russell, let's start with you. So Asale have been working, uh, been leading in this space, you could say for a number of years you're working with uh, working with Apache uh, you're working with legal in general uh, Granger central living just to name a few and and what's been your approach to UK multifamily to build to rent in, in recent years because a, a number of your schemes have won awards in the space Greenwich uh, the the Union Wharf being one uh, and and, uh, and and Granger some of the Granger projects being others what what broadly have you learned? Well, that's a huge question. Um, I think, uh, I mean, as a practice, we specialise in all tenures. Um, and so it's really good when you're uh, involved with a particular one, such as build to rent, which is very much operationally led. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, and architects often talk about designing uh, build to rent from the inside out. Um, and, and what that really means is that really understanding how the building will be operated how residents will live in it and how communities will respond to it and and actually designing those processes and of course if you design those processes in a sort of logical very efficient uh, manner you will end up with frankly an ugly building and so the other aspect to it is to design from the outside in as well in terms of context and it's getting that balance right um, is something that we found uh, particularly important to get right. I think the other issue with uh, designing from the inside out is is really understanding the customer journey, the uh, or the residents journey. Understanding also because you want to deliver a, a good first class service is how the staff and the operators will use the facilities, but also then how uh, the communities will interact with it. Because um, you know, in terms of uh, improving the uh, um, commercial uh, value of the building, it's how the building is outward facing to the community is also an important aspect. But but is it any different though? I mean, because it, it strikes me that sometimes we talk about the build to rent space as if it's some kind of an alien being quite unlike conventional apartment blocks and in conventional apartment blocks people go in and out they collect their mail they take the trash out once or twice a week and they have milk delivered they have friends over their parties they create a mess and, and they clean it up that happens in all sorts of apartment blocks so what you know, what are some of the differences that that, that you've seen and, and in terms of how that value premium gets created what what do you see as being so, so the, the first out? example you were given could equally apply to market sale where you're you're targeting uh, capital values to the apartment uh, and the whole community is valued on on that basis whereas uh, on a build to rent basis you're you're looking to try and maximize net operating income 
uh, which is which is obviously important. But the other uh, balance, uh, the other part of that equation is also the leakage uh, and issues uh, and efficiencies around operating uh, those space. So, for example, um, you know uh, when you're selling the flat. You're not really uh, worried too much about how residents uh, dispose of the refuse. Whereas if you are an operator managing the building, you absolutely care because you've worked out roughly over the lifetime of your investment how much it's going to cost to uh, dispose of the rubbish from the residents. So it's really important to make sure that you design it in such a way that it's efficient to meet those objectives. And, and, and Marianne, from your perspective, what to explain to how Ringley works in this space because you, you do quite a few things and you? you do a lot of consultancy lifestyle lifestyle not lifestyle but maybe lifestyle as well but life cycle consultancy uh with a number of institutions and 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 on the tech side you you've got a few different platforms that support operations day to day don't you well it starts with us normally at the pre-app stage so at that stage we're actually helping architects um justify why build to rent is built differently so that's and how do you do that <laughs> Magic. Um, no, I mean, seriously. This is so that Russell can buy a new boat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's really about justifying how the maintenance headset is different. If I'm selling leaseholds, then I've got 100 landlords looking after their property in 100 different ways at 100 different times. Uh, but if I'm looking at um, life cycle of a building built to rent, then I'm really looking at how I can service a bit this building as a hotel to keep rent levels up and minimise maintenance costs. So there's a whole load of uh, work around, if you like, life cycle planning, journey planning, um, scale and mass, um, getting as many people as you can in through one entrance, as opposed to the typical layout where you'll get perhaps six leasehold flats around one core. Um, so it's about how people travel through the building. Um, that can also include everything from um, demographic demand. Uh, we're looking predominantly at the 18 to 55 uh, market as opposed to leasehold, which in theory is full life cycle. Because of that, we're going to have a different quota of ch um, children in development. We're going to have a different demand for parking space and perhaps a long-term leasehold owner might. So it's factoring all these things in to generate additional space in the built mass um, that can be used for amenity and bringing forward and engaging the councils in what amenity could mean and most importantly for them to believe there's longevity in that in so far as you can put that in the hands of the residents so so what are so trying to break that down then are there three let's try and find three things that that people should consider but often they don't when designing something as a rental product what are some of the things what are some of the obvious things that you've seen people well, uh, one obvious thing is to think of um, your common parts as back entrance to uh, leaks to your kitchen and your bathroom but that then fundamentally means those kitchens and bathrooms have got to be designed designed to be backing onto the common parts so it's about that would be an example of maintaining a flat without necessarily having to go into the flat due to service um, rises and access points through the common parts so that's just one simple example so designing a building a bit like a puppet show where you can, <laughs> can kind of reach in from from underneath um, yes, I guess you could put it like that way. Um, I'm sure there's a more elegant way. Yeah, no, there is. My because, puppet show analogy. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so we, they, they we don't teach call, that a rebid, do they? Yeah, well, from the ULI uh, best practice guide. So that's the Urban Land Institute. Yes. Um, and this the, is the best practice guide on, on 
build to rent that, that was published uh, three, three, four years ago. That's now. correct. That's correct. And in there, um, it really highlights the fact that there are four zones, and the, and, and there's one there's t- one zone which is front of house, which is fairly obvious. Um, but there's another one called back of house, and that's all the operations that uh, uh, Marianne was just referring to. Um, and it's just as important to plan those for operations as it is the front of house. There's always a lot of focus on the front of house. But if you don't get that back of house uh, right, then that's when the leakages are, are going to uh, flow. Not just that. I mean, as well as back of house, um, it's also about designing how the job roles are going to look and how those can be digitalised so that the back of house can be out and public as opposed to the traditional office behind the scenes. Those days have gone and changed. So what, what do you mean by that? So as in being able to outsource elements of it rather than do it no, on No, site? no, no. Very much that your site staff should be out front. Um, tenancy agreements aren't signed in an office anymore. They're signed on an app. And that's that's a lot of the work that, that Ringley's been developing, isn't it? Is enabling people to multitask, whereby even someone that doesn't have technical or, or legal expertise can fill in a form and cough out a contract really easily. Absolutely. I mean, our suite is designed on the way that um, if head office look after compliance and documents, which either means taking a 1,000 EPCs, photos, floor plans, etc., from Russell and having the whole lot populated and ready in an hour, to if that lot's taken care of, then you can um, get a lot more done on-site because it's all about first-touch resolution and immediate service. And that's that's the Planet Rent software platform that, yes, that really yeah. is developed. But right down to also if you're going to ask people um, where they're coming from and questions like that along their journey then you can also know when they're roughly going to arrive and because they will have uploaded their photo during the journey why aren't your staff out front greeting them by name and welcoming them to the building why aren't they doing that jamie snowy tell us <laughs> good question andy well, so, think- so 12 just uh, so just from your perspective apache capital partners has been in the alternative investment space for nearly 12 years and, and over that time you, you've delivered a, a number of pretty major schemes in in the purpose-built student accommodation later yeah. living and, and more recently build to rent uk multifamily through your joint venture with mode living um you all, you've personally been involved haven't you jamie in, in a number of of major student schemes before before you, you got involved with, with angel gardens the manchester rental project so what what did you learn from some of those student schemes what what have the, what have some of the the the, the themes that, that have come across yeah no thanks andy i think um you know as, as apache we've um developed about two and a half thousand student beds over the last sort of six seven years um and one of the sort of key things that we learned very early on was that you a you need to be ahead of the market in terms of what uh, current students want to see in the in the, in the buildings that they stay in um, but also you need to be able to design something that works efficiently that looks a bit different um, and is, is basically exciting and sets yourself apart from the sort of institutional products that effectively you know are perhaps slightly more mainstream uh, so you know we, we've learned a lot of a lot of things along the way um, and one of the sort of key things we focused in on was really understanding what our customers and, and, and residents want to see and which is something that we've very much developed in line with the architects that have been designing our schemes with Moda to make sure that exactly what the target demographic target market wants to see is is, is built in, in those assets. And, and as an investor because you, Apache has got a pipeline of, of two and a half billion pounds one of the, the biggest pipelines in European multifamily to what degree do you see much upside on on designing specifically for rent and why don't you just buy you know why, why don't you just look at developing standard buildings 
Uh, well, essentially, um, if you don't design it from 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 the start as a built to rent product, your 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 asset value is not going to be the same as if you've got a purpose built scheme. It's the same you know we've seen in other asset classes. If you if you design something right from the very outset that has got the end user in mind, you will see an accretive value at the at the end. To what quantum? Uh, it's cool. difficult. Well, it's difficult to say, Andy, at this stage because obviously there's been very few um, BCR schemes that have been traded. But obviously the, the schemes that we've uh, traded on the student accommodation market, um, Paul Street East, uh, which we sold um, last year, uh, achieved a market setting yield. Um, and the year before, um, we sold Brunswick House in Cambridge. It traded about three point seven five percent, didn't it? I mean, it, it was did, actually a record breaking. It was a record breaking deal for a direct let uh, scheme within London. Yeah, and the year before we sold Brunswick House in Cambridge, which was a, a direct let scheme uh, which traded at um, four point. Seven percent, which was a di- which was a, um, a market leading yield uh, for a direct that outside of London, and and so, uh, Russell, in in terms of your experience then in this space, you've obviously got a, a number of projects on the go now that you're that you're currently working on for for different investors. Um, how are those How are those different from projects you were perhaps doing five years ago? Um, well, I think. Um the shift in emphasis, which I alluded to earlier, was that, uh, you know, at the beginning, we were very much focusing on what would happen um, if the building had to be broken up and how would it be sold. We're, we're not doing that anymore. What we are doing um, is actually designing in uh, resilience into these schemes because the markets will change. Uh, Jeremy just mentioned, and absolutely right, you've got to... What, fo- what do you mean, what does resilience mean? So? Well, in terms of design, so for example, you might uh, uh, work out your demographic, your target market at the launch of the scheme. But remember, these these are assets that can be held for 40, 50 years, uh, in theory. Um, that market's definitely going to change over the life of that building. And in fact, you're probably going to refurbish the common areas every five to ten years, depending on... on on, on uh, the size of the scheme. So it's really important, uh, and this is what we are beginning to do now a lot, is actually scenario planning uh, within these build-to-rent so that you can change, uh, for example, the amenities and even change the mix of apartments. Uh, so thinking ahead on a typical floor that uh, you might start off with lots of studios and one-bedroom units uh, with a high proportion of that. But uh, further down the line, as the area becomes re- generated um, and there are more families moving in perhaps the demand will be more for two bedroom and family units Uh, and so it's important I think to think about how you're designing the building because this is single owner single operator and that single owner can can lock down a floor and completely change the mix something that cannot be done in market sale houses that's interesting and would you Presumably, under current rules, you'd need to you'd need to agree that with local planners. I think, yeah, you would always need to uh, get change of planning. But my, my point is, uh, from a sustainability, we need to make these buildings so that they're more robust and will last longer. So you don't have to keep knocking them down and replacing with new buildings and all the all the issues around sustainability for that. So it's really important, though, uh, I think, to design these buildings so that they can take a variety of mixes in the future, and that is possible. You just need to get certain things like, obviously, the lift cores and the, and the vertical risers and some of the structure in in a place that will allow for that flexibility in the future. Uh, uh, Marianne, let, let's talk a little bit about the the, the, the digital platform that, that you've developed, because clearly the, the operational 
side of uh, of the build to rent offer is uh, you know that that's ultimately going to be the uh, the differentiator between different projects isn't it because a lot yeah. of these buildings are largely going to be quite similar in their design and their build. Well, I think the process is similar. There's two aspects to it. One is consistent, intentional journeys. Um, and obviously, a lot of the build-to-rent developers are supported in the early days by perhaps a multitude of agents. And it's about controlling all of that in a central platform whilst they're learning and getting the expertise to lease up themselves. Um, it's then about putting community into the hands of the residents because ultimately community... What, is, what does that mean? I mean? That sort of sounds like an architect's phrase. Really? No, the, an architect will see community as the fountain that looks beautiful that the residents don't want to pay the service charge to maintain, possibly. Sorry, Russell. That's but right. um, to put the community in the hands of the residents means bringing forward things such as neighbour-to-neighbour services um, and how you use your amenities. So that means watching the boxing and having a dog walking club? Um, I think a bit more than that, but um, everything from... The dog fighting club? <laughs> no, that's not, that's not legal anymore. Um, <laughs> anything... I love that she said anymore, <laughs> like it ever was. Sorry, <laughs> I, mean, I interrupted you. That's yeah. quite all right. Um, well, community to us um, means everything from monetizing amenities to increase investment value to working out demand for those amenities, to work out how you evolve your space, to designing multi-occupancy spaces so that a um, business suite can be private dining at night and a cinema can be gaming on a Saturday. So it's allowing think, people like Jamie to, to, to earn a bit more money from the building that he's, he's beautifully just finished in, in Manchester. It's not always about money because that depends whether you're up for a premium rent with everything included or whether you're up for a, a rent but if, but if your room is, if you know, if you, you built a beautiful dining room and it's staying empty for 90% of the time, then you're losing money, aren't you? Uh, yes. I mean, it, it depends also on whether you're going towards a co-living um, aspect or whether you're pure traditional build to rent with larger flats. I mean, on the co-living, there's obviously a lot more pressure to have more amenity outside um, the unit, as it were. Um, and to be able to do that and then get rents, which are perhaps 18% of net disposable income, whereas the target's often muted to be around 40%. But, but just, but just, just, just going back to, the, to, the, to the, the, the tech side of things, ultimately what, what you've created and what, what Ringley seems to suggest is that more, you know, more of the process, more of the operational legwork can be done on the cloud to save having to have loads of staff in the building. Absolutely. I mean, we need minimal back office space for the purpose of office. We need more back office space for storage, changing around furniture, dealing with residence parcels, deliveries and Amazon and all of those things. Uh, but the back of house space is all about, uh, to us, putting people out there up front with so, people. And your message to the build to rent community is if you use our software you can have your staff being able to don't multitask let your staff hide your staff should be out there meeting greeting with the photos of whoever's coming um and the data intelligence to know where, why they've chosen you where they've coming how long their journey is where their family lives and the use of the space that you've got so you can better evolve and monetize that as you go forwards and and, and jamie uh, tell us a little bit about angel gardens which you obviously launched uh, last autumn with Mode Living. Um, the lease up has been going extraordinarily well. Uh, it's setting new records for the market. What, tell us a little bit about that building for people that haven't had a chance to view it yet. Uh, yeah, no, Angel Gardens is our, is our flagship uh, built-to-rent uh, asset within a joint venture with Moda, uh, 466 units. Um, 
uh, studios ones twos and three bed apartments um, as you said Andy uh, we launched that into the market um, in October of last year and uh, and lease up has been going very very well we're very pleased with the level of demand uh, that we've seen in the marketplace um, and and you know one of the things we spent a lot of time doing right from the outset was working out exactly how uh, you know our residents we or how we think our residents are going to use that space um, you know we, we built uh, a mocked up apartment where we could literally go and move walls around choose different you know bathroom tiles etc etc just to really make sure that it was the optimal efficiency it looked the best it could look and and level seven uh, in particular where we've got our multi-use games area uh, five-a-side football pitch um, private dining room cinema room which has got you know amazing views across the Manchester skyline. You know ev- everybody who's been around that building has been wowed by what they've seen. There's nothing else that you know like it in the marketplace. And and, and in terms of what you'll do for the next one, um, how does how do you take forward learnings from that? Because you, you've got sizable schemes pretty much in, in every core city across the uk including across england and scotland yeah no absolutely so, andy we've got about six and a half thousand units uh, on the control and construction uh, across uh, you know birmingham manchester leeds liverpool glasgow edinburgh um to name but a few and, and um, now brighton and hove as well so and, that, and now brighton and hove now, now now we've got our planning secured last week yeah, and that was a very good news um no, congratulations uh, and, to, to moda for getting that one through that that's uh, yeah, yeah it's gonna that be a was a great 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 team effort um and i think you know what, what we'll do is is really you know, we're not going to change the formula on, on in every single um, city, but what we will do is tweak it slightly so that you know the interior design, for example, might be slightly different in, in say Liverpool to it is in, in Manchester. But in terms of the overall sort of formula of, of you know customer services is, is is front and centre of exactly you know everything that we do. You can get in the right team on site, right general manager. How important critical. is the tech in that? Because Marianne's view is that a lot of this stuff can be streamlined, it can be automated. You can empower people at front of house to yeah. do a bit more. Yeah. Uh, how, how important is that operational side for you, Apache, as an investor? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely critical. You know, we we, we, we see it as a, um, you know, an intrinsic part to the asset value because if you haven't got a happy residence at the end of the day, you know, you're going to have greater voids and, and, your, and your net income position is going to be lower as a result. So the team that we have on site, well, it's you absolutely got to have a, you know, a robust platform behind it. If you've not got people that can build relationships with with everybody, all the residents, visitors, etc., then, you know, you're soon going to, you're soon going to fall over. Uh, Russell, tell us about, so you've got a number of projects on the go at the minute. Tell us about a couple of those, you know, ones that are Well, I was going to mention Black Horse Mills, uh, which we've done for Legal and General, which is uh, op- leasing up as we speak. So that's in, in North East London, near Black yeah. Horse Road, near Walthamstow. Ab- absolutely. Um, the reason for that, we were just talking earlier about, uh, you know, how, to, how schemes need to engage with the community. And, and I think one of the things, uh, yes, obviously in terms of operations, it's very efficient, but very much about that building was uh, creating uh, a forum, a central area, which was open to the public during the day, but that actually engaged with the local community and actually provide facilities um, was, is, is something that has completely transformed that part um, and that neighbourhood. Um, that is the kind of thing that I think um, can add uh, investment value because it is actually becoming uh, almost self-promoting in its sense you don't need because referral recommendation friends come in they think, oh well, I want to live here it's that sort of um, 
you know, community involvement, which may, you know, on one hand is, is obviously the right language to talk to planners, but actually it makes incredible commercial sense. In yeah, my view. No, no, I totally agree with that, Russell. I think what, you know, what we've done a number of our student deals um, was to have, you know, absolutely knockout community space, because if you have a social event there and you've got friends that come from other schemes, then it's a nut you sell, you're selling yourself without having to do any, any marketing effectively. Mm. And, yeah, that was certainly one of the keys to success with, with Pool Street, in Shoreditch, wasn't it? It was, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Andy. Well, one of our community schemes that we've put together is to get sharers in the community to come to open evenings to find their friends to then rent flats together um, in London, recognising that, you know, single people might not have the right people to team up with, but that's how they want to afford nice accommodation. So community goes right into almost um, rent dating, if you like. And and, um, and from, you know, from that perspective... Do you think, you know, is there a need to look at, uh, from a planning perspective, is there, is there a need to look at just designing buildings differently? Well, we're getting involved more and more in what we call life cycle living schemes, uh, which are schemes, um, we've got one in Purley at the moment, where the demographic um, is actually a lot of um, over 55s. So we're actually looking at sort of cluster units for them to deal with issues such as social isolation, um, people to have friendship, help and support and how we can actually have 500 people through a single entrance but kind of have a, a desk for um, life and fun for the, um, the co-sharers and the younger generation but also hive off the same um, and look, um, older generation and then combine all these spaces uh, to still give the efficiencies that we need to run a building. So you mean intergenerational housing? What, what do you yes, mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's what life cycle living is all about. So the concept is you go through six stages of housing, starting from perhaps your um, uh, co-living um, sharers around the sort of cluster student model, going up through levels of um, traditional build to rent, but back to cluster housing in later life prior to needing care. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, certainly it certainly seems to be uh, the way many investors are looking at it, uh, Russell, from a, a, this mixing up of, of ages and almost having ageless housing. We, we, certainly a, a number of people, Harry Harry Downs, founder of Fizzy Living, coined the term renty somethings, but the, you know, <laughs> that was always designated as 18, Sounds to, like Harry. <laughs> 18 to 35s, but, but that, that seems to ignore the fact that, that quite a considerable amount of people over that do rent as well. Yeah, I think um, where I think that's important intergenerational living is, is for example, on a on a regeneration um, opportunity is one advantage of build to rent is that it it can kickstart a a, a, a community um, and get the local facilities, get the infrastructure in, get the bus routes moving in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then that will then encourage other. Uh, communities to move into that area that is multi-generational so you know i think that's one aspect of uh, build to rent that can can deliver that and and just in in terms of you know the architecture profession what advice would you give for any young architects that, that are looking at breaking into this space what you know what should they be doing what should they be thinking about um clearly a sale takes on you know a number of uh grads uh you know each year so what what do you look for when you're hiring people uh well advice i would give is go and live in one 
um, because that's the they fastest. Maybe they can't afford to. Yeah, I mean, but there is a whole range of build-to-rent schemes coming out that's not high-end. It's uh, designed specifically for, um, for example, the London living wage. So I think I think it's really important to understand the difference uh, between uh Traditionally, in market sale housing, it's all about the apartment and everything's focused on the apartment. For build to rent, it's it, you want to try and encourage the feeling that someone's renting the whole development, the whole community and all the facilities. And that's when they really gain, not just in terms of all the amenities, but also friendships uh, and so forth. So, Jamie, coming coming to you, what, what can we expect from Apache uh, over the next 12 months? You're going to be doing some more deals on, on the build to rent side of things? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Andy. Um, obviously, we've got the sort of six and a half thousand units that we've got under control uh, at the moment, and there's absolutely aspirations to grow that pipeline um, and, and, and assets much uh, much further over the next uh, next twelve months. Uh, and, and, and Marianne, just just to close things off, um, you, what questions should investors be asking on on this stuff? I mean, what are the what are the things that that, that they should be doing that will help them through this journey? I think it's really about partnering up very early on. It's all about detail, detail, detail. Um, I mean, we're advising on um, minutiae such as do we have macerators before pumping stations to reduce ongoing maintenance costs? And should the keeps lights keeps me awake at night. That one. <laughs> should the lights be on the wall or sunk in the floral bollards? We have such rich data on the um, long-term longevity of almost every fixture and fitting and to feed that back into the learning loop um, during and the build cycle. And that's something the industry is quite poor at doing, is sharing that information. Uh, because therefore, if, if it is shared, then designers will actually learn from that process. So sharing could be caring. Could be a value premium in being, <laughs> being, uh, being more of a community-minded profession. Well, thank you so much for your time. Russell Pedley from Asale, Marianne Boeing from Ringley Group, and Jamie Snary from Apache Capital Partners. I have continued to be Andrew Teacher from Blackstock. Thank you for listening to this week's broadcast. Mm-hmm.